Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Jared Barnes Show. I'm your host, Jared Barnes. Uh, Today is Thursday, February 20th. Got a really good show for today. It's my best one yet. I know it's episode two, but it's the best show I've put out so far. Uh, You got to aim high. So I go over three topics today. I do an NBA breakdown. I preview the week three XFL games, and then I do a little NFL talk. Uh, We talk about free agency. And we talk about how Stefan Diggs wiped his, all of his social medias of anything Vikings related, which is a bold move. But that's a little right, later on down the road. And I even talk about AB. It's a good episode today. Hope you enjoy listening. All right. So the first topic that I wanted to talk about today is the NBA standings. Um, I wanted to talk about this before the games kicked back off tonight. That way we can get a clear understanding of where all the teams are in their conference, where they're ranked and stuff like that. So I want to start off with the Eastern Conference first. And the number one seed, uh, we have the Milwaukee Bucks with a 46 wins and 8 losses. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, who... They are probably the hottest team in basketball right now. Uh, they have a win-loss record of 40 and 15. They're six and a half games back from the Bucks, though, so they got a they they got a little bit of ground to pick up if they wanted to get the first seed. I don't think they will, but I do believe these are the two teams that will meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the third seed we have the Boston Celtics with a record of 38 and 16. I like their team. I just don't know if this is the year for them. I think next year they could they could be one of the best teams in the East. Uh, they are they are this year, but I think they could even be better next year with another year building that chemistry. And the fourth seed is surprisingly the Miami Heat, which shocked me and this season, and they've shocked a lot of other people. Didn't think they'd be that high. Didn't think they'd be this good of a team. But Jimmy Butler's leadership is something else, and. That's one of the reasons they are the fourth seed. They have a record of 35-19. and 19. Uh, The 76ers are the fifth seed. They have underachieved this year, extremely underachieved. Uh, there's been a lot of problems inside their locker room. Uh, reportedly, Al Horford and Joel, Joel Embiid have struggled to want to play together, which is not good because Joel Embiid's the face of the franchise, and... Al Horford was brought in because they wanted somebody with a championship pedigree to be in that locker room, and with it not working out between those two, it's it's very much hurt the team. The fact they can't shoot the three ball either has been bad for them. Ben Simmons just has not turned a corner on that. I don't know if he ever will, and until he does, he won't really be considered, in my opinion, a top 10 player in the league. At the sixth seed is the Indiana Pacers. Uh, with a record of 32 and 23. In my opinion, they could pass the 76ers. I don't think they can make a run in the playoffs, though. Uh, they're 14 and a half games back from first place, which is a long way. So they're not catching the Milwaukee Bucks. They're not even probably, they're not going to even catch the Boston Celtics. But they, they could have a pretty good shot of passing the 76ers. I don't think the 76ers are going to have a very good time after the All-Star break. I think it's just going to continue to get worse for them this season. But the paces, I could see it going up for them because with Victor Oladipo coming back from injury a couple weeks ago and 
him being able to maybe over the all-star break build a rapport with some of the other t- players on the team that have played all season. I think it is, it only can go up for them. Uh, in the seventh seed, we have the Nets with a record of 25 and 28. They're a terrible team in my opinion. The East is just extremely weak this year. And that's why a team like the Nets with a losing record or the seventh seed, it's just not good. Uh, the eighth seed is the Orlando Magic with a record of 24 and 31. I've liked what Markel Fultz has done this year. I think he's extremely improved as a player. I wish he would have been able to do that at Philadelphia. It would have been a lot funner to watch him, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid on the court at the same time, but he just never turned a corner while he was there. Glad to see he's improved this year, though. At the ninth seed is the Wizards with a record of 20-33. and 33. Uh, They... I like Bradley Beal, but I just don't see how they can how they can win enough games to pass the Magic and make it make a run at the playoffs. And then at the tenth seed in the East is the Bulls, who actually still have a shot at the playoffs, although their record is nineteen and thirty six. I don't see them making it. I I still I think that the the way the East is now is the way the East will be when playoffs come. The West is a different story, though. At the one seed, we have the Los Angeles Lakers with a record of 41-12. and 12. And they are extremely talented. They don't have a great bench. But with LeBron and Anthony Davis, that's a tough, that's a tough combo to beat right there. And I could honestly see them winning the entire championship this year. It wouldn't be out of the question for them to do so. Uh, nobody's talking about the Nuggets, though, who are the two seed uh, with a record of 38-17. and They're four games back from first. They could easily make a run in the playoffs, even make it to the Western Conference Finals. It's going to be tough, though, because the West is extremely deep. Because right at the three seed is the LA Clippers at 37-18, and who are just one game back from the second seed. And they're five games back from the first seed. With Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And the depth they have on that team, the way they play defense with Doc Rivers, that is a team that you don't want to play in the playoffs. They're a scary team. And playoff Kawhi is something else. Uh, the Utah Jazz are the fourth seed with a record of 36-18. and 18. They're five and a half games back. They're extremely talented. They've played a lot of iso ball this season, which is a little different from the way they've played the rest of the year. I think if they start running a lot more plays on the offense, they could they could really have a good run here after the All-Star break. I really like the Jazz. Uh, the, the small ball Rockets are the fifth seed with a record of 34-20. and 20. If James Harden and Russell Westbrook play lights out every night, it's tough to beat that team, but if the, one of those two are off, it without there being a big man, that team is in bad shape. I don't like that they don't have a big man on their team. I think it's a very odd way to play basketball. Maybe that's just because I'm a little old school when it comes to that. I think you have to have a good center that can rebound, but yeah, I don't know how it's going to go for them. The surprise of the year 
is a six seed Thunder. I'm a I'm kind of a Thunder fan. Um, I grew up watching Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, and I was a big fan when James Harden was there, and they were extremely good. That's kind of when I became a fan. I stuck with them. When they traded away Russell Westbrook and traded away Paul George over the offseason, I thought they were done. I thought put a fork in them, they're probably going to be one of the worst teams in the West, and here they are still in playoff contention, mostly because of the leadership from Chris Paul and the scoring ability of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who is extremely improved. He's only in his second year in the league, but people, they do forget that Steven Adams is one of the best offensive rebounding centers in the entire league. He's an extremely tough physical guy. And I, I don't know if they can make a run in the playoffs, but they are an extremely different team to watch. I would, mainly because I didn't expect them to be this good, and it's just interesting to me. At the seventh seed, we have the Dallas Mavericks, who this isn't the year for them, but here in the next couple of years, I can see them become one of the best teams in the West easily, but just this year is not the year for them to do that. At the eighth seed is the Memphis Grizz- Grizzlies. At, with a record of 28 and 26. I really love this young Grizzlies core uh, led by John Morant. I believe John Morant is one of the most talented players I've seen come in the league in the last, in the la- at least the last couple of years. Him and Zion Williamson are two of the most talented players I've seen go at one and two in a long time. Probably ever since I started watching basketball, it's just insane story with those two but what John Morant has done this year with the Grizzlies nobody would have expected it whatsoever and it's just fun to watch at the night seeds the Portland Trailblazers with a record of 25 and 31 uh, they were hot there for a while with when Dame Lillard was playing lights out um, the problem is Dame can't do that every single night and they just haven't seemed to really been able to find another offensive weapon even though they have McCollum they have on white side, like they have guys like Carmelo's there, like they have guys that could score. I just don't know what it is with them, why it didn't click this year. Because I really thought they had a good shot of maybe being the team that represented the West in the finals, but it just doesn't look like it's going to be. I don't even if they get in the playoffs, which I doubt they will, unless Dame, unless Damian Lillard comes alive the next half of the year, even more than so than he already has. I just don't see them making it. At the 10th seeds, the Spurs uh, with 23 and 31. Um, you can never rule out the Spurs. They, they're they always a good team. Uh, this year has been a little disappointing. But with Coach Greg Popovich, they're always an extremely good team. Always fun to watch. So you can never really rule them out. Um, it's interesting because the West is extremely deep. And I know a couple weeks ago, even people were talking about how the Pelicans could possibly make the playoffs. That was also partly because of the Zion Williamson hype, and everybody just wants to see that, but give it a couple years. That young Pelican score is extremely interesting. I really like Lonzo Ball as a point guard, along with Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart mixed with Zion. I really like the core they have going on at the Pelicans. I just don't know if I trust the front office management. I feel like it's been poor because there's a good reason why Anthony Davis wanted out of there. And it's only a matter of time, probably before that entire young core completely falls apart for them. Just because it seems to be poor managed because 
Anthony Davis is a generational talent, and they just really pretty much lost him because he was sick of losing and they couldn't win. And I don't understand how you can not be able to win when you have a generational talent on your team. But they have that now, again, with Zion Williamson. They just got lucky, and they're still not winning this year. But you got to look at the long-term plan, and it seems like their long-term plan with Zion is better than what their long-term plan was with Anthony Davis. But I just don't know if I trust them enough. Uh, Now that I've talked about the NBA standings, I kind of want to transition into my second topic of the day. And that is the XFL Week 3 preview. I'm very intrigued by the XFL. I really want it to last. I enjoy watching football. It is my favorite sport to watch. It's also my favorite sport to cover, so I will probably talk about football more than anything else I talk about on this show. Um, NFL free agency is going to dominate the headlines. And the XFL is not going to really dominate the headlines, but it's very fun to still be able to watch football in February. It's something that it's I just have a passion for. So to get in the XFL Week 3 preview, uh, the first game of the weekend, the Houston Roughnecks visit the Tampa Bay Vipers. That game is going to be on ABC at 2 p.m. That game's on Saturday. What a tough game to start off with for the weekend, though, because even if Aaron Murray returns to the lineup for the Vipers, I just believe that that Houston offense led by Phillip Walker will just be too much for the Vipers to handle, even though they actually have the best defense in the entire XFL. I just don't think they can that the defense can stop that Houston offense enough for them to win the game because that offense literally has not scored a single offensive touchdown yet, the Tampa Bay Vipers. And I really I don't think I unless they have a trick up their sleeve this week. Maybe they'll score an offensive touchdown, but I just don't know if they even will this week. And that's tough. It's tough to be in a for an eight team league that has ten weeks and to start 0-3, but I do believe the Tampa Bay Vipers are going to start 0-3. I honestly see Houston could even win that game by at least two scores. Uh, The second game of the weekend is the Dallas Renegades visiting the Seattle Dragons on Fox at 5 p.m. That's on Saturday. Even if Seattle's O-line is healthy and ready to go, I believe this could be a very entertaining game if they are. If not... Dallas is going to take this thing too easily. Last week, Seattle played okay against the Tampa Bay Vipers, just enough to get them the win. Thank goodness their defense was able to bail out that offense. It wasn't able to move the ball. But not a lot of people realize that their offensive line was pretty banged up, and I, th- I think it was two or three of the starters from week one didn't play in week two because they were injured. I mean, that's going to have an effect on you. And Brandon Silvers was limited all week leading into last week's game because of an ankle injury. So that definitely affected the offense as well. But if Silvers is ready to go and he's a he's near 100% and that O-line's near 100%, this could be an interesting game because I do like the Seattle Dragons' offense and I like Dallas's offense. I believe now that Landry Jones has an entire week of in-game play that he can maybe go back and look at some film and study and prepare a little better. Um, And if that happens, I don't know if the Seattle Dragons will be able to keep up with the air raid offense of the the Dallas Renegades. I could really, I mean, this is the best game of Saturday 
but I have the Renegades taking it by three. It could be more than that, or the, the Dragons could pull an upset because that home field advantage in Seattle, it could really be something when 30,000 people show out. What a, what a great crowd they had last week. I'm assuming that they will have just a great another great crowd this week. It's good to see. It's good for the XFL to have people, a lot of people showing up to your games like that. The first game, the, the third game of the weekend, first game on Sunday, is the New York Guardians at the St. Louis Battlehawks. St. Louis is a surprising team. Oh, by the way, that game is on ESPN at 3 p.m. on Sunday. I didn't say that. But St. Louis Battlehawks are an extremely surprising team. They're, I did not expect them to be very good. I did not trust their quarterback play. And I was wrong on that to even think that. Jordan Tayamu, I watched him at Old Miss when he was there. He had very good players on offense when he was there. He had DK Metcalf. He had Dawson Knox, the tight end from the Buffalo Bills. And he had A.J. Brown, who's now the wide receiver at Tennessee. DK's, everybody knows who DK is. DK's up playing wide receiver with Russell Wilson in Seattle. But he had great offensive weapons that offense just seemed to always underachieve when he was there. And I, I thought it was him. Maybe it was just a system. Maybe it was the fact that DK and AJ Brown were injured a lot of the times. Like I know DK had a season ending surgery his first year, well, his last year in college. And it could just be the fact that after the, the top weapons, there was not much depth. Or maybe it's the fact that the defenses in the XFL just aren't as good as some of the defenses he played in the SEC. Could be it. Or it could be the the system he's in now. It could have just been the system. He's extremely accurate. It's easier to be accurate in a league like this because the defense isn't as good as an NFL defense. So you don't have to be you don't have to be spot on with every single throw. And some of his throws yeah, they're not they're not perfect, but they they're there, and he completes them, which is what they need. And I really like Jordan Tayamu, and he's one of the most intriguing players in the XFL, in my opinion, because he's so young. Uh, he's 22 years old. He's the youngest starting quarterback in the XFL. He is one of the quarterbacks in the XFL. Him and Philip Walker, maybe even Cardell Jones. But I believe he has, Jordan Tayamu has the best chance of possibly at some point having some playing time in the NFL because of just his young age. And if a team could get him next season, they can groom him. He can be the, he could probably be a backup, a solid backup in the NFL, mainly because of his ability to run the ball as well. Not only can he throw it just good enough, he can run it fairly well. He's the, Third leading rusher in the league, which is pretty good. And they have a very good rushing offense in St. Louis. And I thought partly it was going to be because of the running backs they had, but really a lot of it is actually him and his ability. And it's just, he's extremely interesting for me to watch. I really like him. But back to the game, um, they play in the New York Guardians. And this week I'm extremely intrigued by Matt McGloin. Uh, after his outburst last week on the sideline, uh, his outburst to the reporter uh, at halftime when he went in with his stats at halftime, he was 5 of 13. He was playing terribly, and he said that the entire offense needed to change their game plan. 
which can't really do going into a 10-minute halftime. Um, maybe you throw a little accurate ball. I mean, maybe it was the fact that the D.C. defender's defense is just extremely good, or it's the fact that your offense is just so inept that you, it, you can't do anything, which I think is partly that. I don't believe they have a lot of great weapons in New York. I believe the talent level in the XFL is so it's not as vast as the NFL, so you will get some teams like D.C., Houston that seem to be clear favorites to to make it to the championship, and maybe a team like Dallas who could be like an underdog that slips in there, maybe even St. Louis that it slips in there, but like the the talent level is is clearly you could see the differences, and I believe that New York kind of got the the poor end of the stick when it comes to the talent, partly, but they they did draft these players, so they they had shots at getting some of the guys that the other teams have. So really, it's kind of their own fault. But I'm ext- I'm intrigued by Matt McGloin because I want to see how he responds after after last week's shutout. It's it's interesting to me, but he's he's a tough guy Matt McGloin is he I believe he's going to come out with an extreme large chip on his shoulder this week but I just don't think regardless of how much planning they do how much film study they do whatever they do I don't think the Guardians are going to be able to beat the St. Louis Battlehawks I actually think the Battlehawks win that game by a touchdown and could be more I think the Battlehawks might just blow them out of the water which is sad. I mean, it's it's not what you want to see. You want to see close games because you want to see good football, especially when you're not really gigantic fans of a team yet. You just want to you're just watching football to see, to hopefully see good football. And when the quarterback plays bad, the football's bad. And Matt McGloin last week was bad, and he'll probably be bad again this week. And the final game of the weekend on Sunday is the DC Defenders visiting the LA Wildcats. I like the Wildcats offense. I like their coaching staff. But they just happen to start the season with probably the worst schedule in the XFL. Week one, they took on Houston. Week two, they took on Dallas. This week, they take on D.C. And they're probably going to start 0-3. The Wildcats, they're in a must-win game and it's week three. But, you know, when you get put in a must-win game in week three, I'm assuming your season's not going to go over too well. They're going to have to do anything they can to win this game this week. But regardless of what they do, I don't think their offense will be able to move the ball enough against a very tough D.C. defense. And I don't think their defense will hold up whatsoever to the defenders who may have the best. Maybe they've. They do, in my opinion, have the best offense in the league. They have the best receiving core. And I don't know if they have the best quarterback, per se, but he ha- definitely has the best arm. And he had some crazy plays last week against the Guardians, and I believe that they'll probably have another blowout this week. The D.C. defenders will on the, their resume. But... It's going to be interesting to watch the XFL this weekend. Um, that was kind of my you know, preview of week three. And I'm really intrigued by the XFL. I'm just 
I'm very excited that there's football in February. I really hope it lasts. I don't want to see it fail. I know ratings dipped going into week two. Hopefully they pick back up for week three, or they just stay about the same as what they were. I mean, if they stayed the same as what they were for week two, that would still be good because a lot of people still tune into the games, but and people are still showing up to the games, which is good. I really want to see it last. I'm excited to watch this week's football, and I'm excited to talk about it on my next podcast as well. I have one more topic today, but I'm going to take a quick short break. I will be right back. All right, I'm back, and I just wanted to talk about uh, the last topic of the day, which is the NFL offseason, and what a wild one it's been. Um, Ever since the Super Bowl ended, it just feels like the NFL has continued to dominate the headlines since then. The yesterday ESPN was putting out reports of the new CBA. It was towards the end of the night that the NFL wants to expand it to 17 regular season games and take away a preseason game and just have three preseason games. Uh, no complaints from me on that. I don't really watch the preseason. I find it very boring. It's tough to watch bad football, so I don't watch it. But I still watch the XFL, even though some of that's bad football, but We're not going to discuss that. So the more intriguing part of it, though, is not the longer season, but the possible new playoff format that was discussed in the article. Um, Seven teams from each conference will make the playoffs, and only one team will get a bye, which is a big shift in how the playoff function because instead of four wildcard weekend games, there will be six, which is extremely cool. I like that idea. I don't know if the players are all for it, but I'm a big fan of that idea because more football, uh, better for the fans and better for the people watching. It's going to make more money. So it's just it seems to be better monetarily for the NFL. I don't know if it's better for the player health. I'm going to assume not, but because it's probably be nice to get that bye week, but that means that more teams will be competing even harder to earn that bye week, which is going to be fun to watch if that happens. A lot of the times, though, when rumors come out about stuff like this, it tends not to be true. I hope this one is true because I really like the idea. Another wild story that came out by ESPN yesterday, um, offensive tackle at the Cleveland Browns, Greg Robinson, uh, was busted coming across the border, smuggling 157 pounds of marijuana in a rented car with him and two others in the vehicle. Uh, it's not a not a good look for him, uh, even worse look for the Browns, because that's their second player this offseason that has had a weed problem. I mean, the first player, Kareem Hunt, didn't have this major of a weed problem. 157 pounds is a lot of weed. But Andrew Barry's got his work cut out for him. And just it's terrible. You got younger kids looking up to you, and you're just doing stuff like this, and I just don't know. I think he just got himself mixed. Andrew, um, not Andrew Barry, but um, Greg Robinson just got himself mixed up with the wrong people, and now Andrew Barry will probably have to put him out of a job, and that that sucks. But you were given your shot, and you blew it. So, But I'm going to get into a more positive story, and that's the dudes making money. And I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot of dudes getting paid this offseason. NFL free agency is just right around the corner, and my oh my, what a market we do have this season. 
I mean, there are some very, very big name players, more big name players than I think I've ever seen on a free agent market in my entire life. Best my uh, top twenty-five free agents, though. Uh, at the top, I have Chris Jones, the defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's just a dominant athlete. Uh, he's the, the second most dominant player on the plays on any football field outside of Aaron Donald. He's very fun to watch. He will just dominate double teams, triple teams, single teams. It does not matter. And he is my top free agent. I, I believe that he is going to get paid. And what's cool about him is a lot of the guys around the NFL really want that Super Bowl. So sometimes they'll take pay cuts to try to win a Super Bowl. Chris Jones was on his rookie deal, and he was able to win that Super Bowl. So now he's just got to worry about getting getting his money, getting his bag. And I, he's going to get – uh, someone's going to back the Brinks truck right up to his house and just drop him a great amount of cash because he deserves it. He's a very disruptive player. Tom Brady's going to be a free agent. Everybody knows it because it's pretty much been the only thing talked about for the last, what, I don't know, month. Probably two, three months, actually. And he's playing it so perfectly. It's not even funny. If you were a Patriots fan, I could see it would probably hurt you every day waking up knowing that he's probably going to be on a different team next year. Or maybe he's just leveraging Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick to maybe want to load up with weapons to try to bring him, convince him to come back, which would be a great leverage move by him, which is what I think he's probably doing. A big domino fell a couple days ago as Drew Brees announced he will be returning for the 2020 season, which is good for the Saints. But uh, maybe it's not as great for the Saints because they had a real a good issue on their hands that more NFL teams wish they could have, and that's not knowing who, which quarterback they wanted to be their quarterback next season, which is wild to think. But now that Drew Brees has announced he will return, uh, Teddy Bridgewater will look to hit the open market. It's going to be interesting to see where Teddy goes because I don't know if he can throw the deep ball as well as some other quarterbacks that are here, and Tampa Bay is going to be in the market for a quarterback if they don't re-sign or franchise tag Jameis Winston. So I, I don't know if he's a good fit there. I don't know where he's a good fit. I could maybe see it's it's tough to say. I could maybe see him in New England. I could see him maybe in Indianapolis. It's tough to say though. I can't really predict it because I don't I haven't just the way he plays, I just don't really see that a great match for him. Maybe he goes to Oakland. I mean, not Oakland, Las Vegas. My bad. Completely forgot they were moving to Vegas. But maybe he goes there. Uh, and a lot of the quarterback free agent talk has kind of overshadowed some of the defensive side of the football that's going to be in free agent. I mean, it, very, it gets very deep on the defensive side of the ball. Jadavion Clowney is going to be on the open market. Byron Jones. Shaq Barrett. Yannick Nag... Oh, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Yannick... Nagakoe, he's the edge rusher from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I am so sorry that I cannot pronounce his name. I've tried a thousand times, actually, and I just can't do it. Uh, Reek Armstead, the D-lineman from San Francisco 49ers. Javon Hargrave, D-tackle from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And even Bud Dupree is going to be on the open market. Chris Harris, the corner from 
Denver. I mean, Dante Flower, the edge rusher that used to play for Jacksonville and was at the Rams. Corey Littleton, linebacker from the Rams, like extremely uh, all-pro Joe, even, for a middle linebacker from Cleveland is going to be on the open market. I mean, it's extremely deep. And then on the offensive side of the ball, even outside the quarterbacks, it's extremely deep. There's some very good old linemen that are going to be on the market. Then there's some extremely good skill players that are going to be on the market, just like Amari Cooper, who is 25. Like, he's extremely young still, and he's going to be hit the open market. At 25, like Derrick Henry is going to be on the open market. Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon. I mean, what a free agent class this is this year. Uh, the NFL is going to be flipped on its head next year. It's just it's going to be interesting to see where the dominoes fall, who falls where, who gets what. Though what's going to be very interesting, though, is... What's coming out lately about Joe Burrow and how he kind of told this uh, San Antonio, I guess, local newspaper in Texas when he accepted the Davey O'Brien Award that Cincinnati has their process and he has his. And a lot of people are saying that he should pull an Eli Manning and refuse to play there, like how Eli refused to play for the Chargers and ended up in New York. And... I just don't feel like Joe Burrow's that kind of guy. He's an Ohio kid. Uh, it feels like a perfect match for him to go kind of back home and be the light for that area. I don't think he could turn around the Bengals in one season because I think the management at the Bengals is just extremely bad. I mean, they don't have an outside practice. They don't have an inside practice facility, which is an extremely wild thing to think about when you're an NFL team and you don't have an indoor practice facility. But college teams... A lot of college teams have an indoor practice facility, but that's just that just shows you the ownership at the Cincinnati Bengals is just that poor. But there's reports of Tua Tagovailoa not wanting to play in Detroit. Like these young quarterbacks in the draft know that they have leverage because they know how talented they are, and you didn't see a lot of guys doing this in the past. It's cool to see other guys doing it now. I don't know how big of a fan I am of it. I think that Tua is the perfect fit for Miami just because that is like just him and Miami have been linked together for so long. It just makes so much sense. And it almost make, it just makes too much sense for Joe Burrow to get drafted to Cincinnati. I believe that he says that to kind of maybe Cincinnati tells him to say that. Maybe his agent tells him to say that because you don't want him to seem like, oh, you know, maybe you want teams to see how much they really want Joe because you want to see the interest in your guy, Joe. But it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, a lot of smoke screens are going to come up within the next couple weeks. Like one came out earlier this week about how the Dolphins are viewing Justin Herbert as a higher rated quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa, and everybody knows that's a lie. Tua's accuracy is the it's, – it's something else like – I, I personally like Tua's upside over Joe Burrow in this draft. I would take Joe Burrow number one. I would not take Tua Tagovailoa number one. But I like Tua's upside talent level over Joe because Tua's done it for longer. Joe went from like 15 touchdowns in his first year at LSU to 60, which is an extremely high jump. It's unbelievable. That kind of jump is unbelievable. 
but that was also because he got put in an NFL offense. And it's just, it's tough to figure out because it's so tough to scout quarterbacks and things and positions like that. Like you really are just taking a chance. And there's just guys that are getting paid to watch these guys all season long, but yet they're still busts like Josh Rosen to the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, Josh Rosen then got traded to Miami, and now Miami's talking about taking a quarterback. So that just tells you how Josh Rosen is as a quarterback. I like jo- I like Josh Rosen coming out. He was one of my favorites in, in that draft class with Josh Allen, Sam Donald, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. But everybody said Lamar wasn't a good quarterback in that draft class, and look at him now, MVP. So – you really just can't evaluate quarterbacks because you just don't know what kind of system they're going to be put in when they get here in the NFL. But uh, the last two couple things I want to talk about is kind of wide receiver drama around the NFL. Uh, wide receivers are divas, so sometimes when they're unhappy, they do things. Like Antonio Brown did a lot of things. I was, I grew up watching him. He was my favorite NFL player ever to watch. But he did a lot of things that were very questionable. And I just, he's been in the news a lot again lately because he's been apologizing to all these teams and all these former players of his, former teammates. And it's interesting to see, will he return to the NFL this season? I think there's a good shot wherever Brady goes, if it's outside of New England, that maybe he ends up there. But I don't know if he's going to end up back in the NFL. And speaking of more wide receiver drama, wide receiver Stephon Diggs. Seems to be done with the Vikings as he deletes pretty much any connection to them on any of his social medias, Twitter, Instagram. It's any connection with the Vikings is off of his social medias. Interesting to see because he threw his helmet in. The, I know he threw his helmet when they were winning versus the New Orleans Saints because I saw it when they showed a clip on the sideline. I was, I was like, oh, that's questionable because you're up. I mean, if you're complaining about getting the ball and you're winning, I mean, there's obviously a, a problem there. It may be, and it just looks now like he wants out of Minnesota. I don't blame him because he they didn't really get him the ball. It's tough when you have a wide receiver like Adam Thielen who has such a rapport with Kirk Cousins that he, anytime he wants to throw the ball to somebody and he doesn't feel, and if he sees you double covered but he doesn't have the chemistry with you, but he sees Adam Thielen double covered and he knows that he can trust Thielen because he has a chemistry with him, there's going to be the big difference. I don't think the Vikings are as good as they are as good as of a team without Stephon Diggs. I believe he is a better wide receiver out of him and Adam Thielen. So if the Vikings would get rid of him or he forced his way out, I think it makes the Vikings a worse team. But I mean, you're trading away a very talented wide receiver. A lot of teams would be in the market for a guy like that. But he has seemed to be a questionable. He's not a like he's a head case, maybe a little bit of a head case. He's not like an Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown level head case, but he's still somewhat of a hothead. So it seems it really does just seem like he's done with the Vikings though, and that's sad because he had a great run with the Vikings. But that's pretty much all I got today. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. I probably will come back with an episode sometime. Next week, maybe I'll put one out this weekend talking about the NFL draft. I really doubt that I will, but so more than likely I'll have an episode out on 
next Monday coming up. That's all I got for today's show. So I want to thank you again for listening, and peace. I'm out.